Good morning. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thanks for joining us, whether you're in the house or you're online. Uh, we've been going through a wonderful series, and by going through, I mean we started it last week and we're continuing. Uh, uh, our series called Let's Talk About That, where we get to ask our pastoral staff some questions and we get to know them a little bit more. And so last week we had uh, Pastor Josh and Caitlin. Uh, this week we have Sean and Lisa and so on. And so we will make our way through our entire pastoral staff and their spouses. Um, I think the spouses are very thankful they get to do this, right, Lisa? Yeah. <laughs> and so today uh, we will be talking specifically about uh, marriage and sexuality uh, and those things tied together. And so if you have any uh, questions for Sean and Lisa, Pastor Sean and Lisa, we'd love for you to text the word TALK to 250-478-7113. And that way, when you text that number, it will come up on my computer here, and I will be able to ask them the questions in which you have for them. And so, this morning, we're talking about marriage and sexuality. Now, the interesting thing that I find is that we are living in the 21st century, where we see a deluge of social problems entering our world today. Now, one of those social problems, I would say, is that nowadays, one of the most serious problems is that the marriage relationship is treated almost as disposable. And the marriage relationship isn't held to as high of a regard as it maybe once was. The marriage relationship nowadays, I would say, is often distorted. And so, this morning I think we have the opportunity to talk about the marriage relationship because I believe, we believe, that God has created the marriage relationship with the idea that it will be a lifelong commitment to each other. In fact, marriage simply is the public declaration that you will be committed to one another forever that you love one another. And so, sexuality and marriage must, in my opinion, be at the center, not the center, it needs to be something that we continue to talk about as a church, and it needs to find its way into our theological beliefs. And so, this morning, we get the great opportunity <laughs> to talk to Pastor Sean and Lisa about their marriage and sexuality. So thank you Let's for being here with you us. You didn't tell me that part. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> surprise. Didn't give you the topic beforehand. <laughs> and so thank you for being here with us this morning. I have a couple easy questions for you uh, to start us off. Now, uh, how long have you guys been together? How long have you been married? And how did you meet? We have been married for 23 years in October, but we've been together for just over 24. Um, and we met through a game of truth and dare. Yeah, it was, it, I don't know if nice would be the word. Um, yeah, so, but the funny thing is, is Sean was the first guy I noticed on my very first day of school, and I looked at him, 
And in my head, I go, I'm going to marry that boy. But it had nothing to do with him my first year. I thought he was an arrogant piece of work. Who was, but he was the bachelor to land, so to speak, at that school at that time. Wow. Yeah. So, but anyway, I didn't tell anybody any of that because I also didn't want to be one of those people. God told me I'm going to marry you and then him run for the hills because that would just be awkward. (laughs) So, but yeah, we met through Truth and Dare. He was dare to make me believe that he was interested in me and he could use any means necessary. And I did it. I lied. But I also got a wife out of it, so it's good. Interesting. Would you suggest uh, truth or dare for our young teens to find each other? No. Absolutely. Not. I mean, no. (laughs) No. 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 But... As I look at our children, no. (laughs) No. All right. Well, you heard it here. Uh, Don't do what they did. Um, Do as I say, not as I do. Right. what we try to teach our children. Yeah. Okay. So I have a wonderful photo to show you guys of Pastor Sean and Lisa of when on their wedding day. Their wedding day. And so uh, I just thought it was interesting that Lisa has not aged at all, uh, but I don't know who that man is. Me either. Where did you get these? Yeah, I can't, I can't disclose. I just got, I got a guy. I, I got, got a guy. guy. That's yeah. true. I yeah, believe I that. I got a guy. I always have someone for something. But uh, so, Lisa, the question I have for you um, is, uh, where did his hair go? It migrated <laughs> south. Okay. Okay. And, and during this time, when you guys got uh, married, did you know, well, I guess the evidence is there, but I guess I'll ask anyways. Did you know he was going to be bald? No. no. Uh, when, we, when I first saw him, he had a full head of dark, cur- not curly, but wavy <laughs> hair. Um, I, I probably yeah. am the cause of the baldness. <laughs> well, oh. The stress. <laughs> I would say the evidence is there just because look at the top of his head, but uh, we'll move on from that. Yeah. We'll move on. No, it's great to have you guys uh, with us as uh, our lead uh, team here. Uh, I would uh, comment and say that as... On our pastoral staff, at least, you guys have been married the longest, and so you have uh, the most knowledge, right? Yeah. Maybe? Okay. So (laughs) one of the questions I'd ask, uh, just to soften, just get us going, uh, um, what are some of the greatest wins that you have seen in your marriage? Well, I think, like, for us, I mean, the, the real easy one would be, well, we've done this for 22 years. That's a win, mm-hmm. I think, in culture today. Um, probably our, our next favorite win are our two kids, Jake and Ananea, who are sitting in with us today. But, um, like, when I look at their lives, that's a win for us. Um, our lives would not be the same without the ability to parent. So those are big wins in my, mm-hmm. in my book. I think our ministry that we get to be a part of together is a win. Um, We've been doing this for, I think I figured it out in the first service, for just about 26 years together. Before we were even dating, I was part of a ministry with Sean called Kids Zone back in Abbotsford. Um, So yeah, I think our ministry together that we get to be a part of is a win. Like I've said in our first service, it's nothing that we've done. That's all God working and using us. Um, That would be a huge win. But I would say... Our kids, for sure, are our biggest win. Mm-hmm. Another big win for us, too, quite recently, is we didn't kill each other. Oh, yes. And uh, I know that that sounds interesting, but uh, Lisa and I decided because of the COVID season, um, you, can't, you couldn't travel, and I know some of these things are lightening up. So we decided that we would paint our house. 
and uh, and uh, with a paintbrush, like the outside whole thing house, outside. whole outside. And listen, folks, we're here today attesting to God's grace in our lives, but we did it, and we still love each other. Yeah. So it's a good thing. We painted our house, though. That's a win. Yeah, yeah. Home renos, they could love it. Yeah. Well, some people do. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Yeah, home rentals. That's great. <laughs> so what would be uh, some of the greatest um, or the har- biggest hardships that you faced as a couple? Um, raising children. They don't come <laughs> with manuals. They don't come with instructions. Um, so that's been a big one, a hard one for us. Totally a worth it thing, but it's been a stretch, I think, for both of us. Um, one of the hardships that we had a long time ago is we lost a baby. Mm-hmm. And walking through that, uh, walking through the death of my father last year, um, and ministry's been a hardship too at times. Mm-hmm. It's taken Sean away at times for long periods of time. He's been, for a while there, somebody asked me um, something about our marriage, and I said, oh no, Sean's got a mistress. And they're like, what? And I was like, yeah, it's called the church. I go, he spends more time at the church sometimes than he does with me. That was a while ago. Now that I work with him, it's different. He can't get away with me. Or get away from me. He can't, yeah, anyway. <laughs> and then I definitely think that those are some big ones. And I know um, in your introduction, Pastor James, it was like marriage and sexuality. I mean, we've had our fair share of sexual um, confusion and frustration, I think, in our lives as well. Um, you want to share maybe about our past in that world a little bit? but uh, Yeah, um, so when I was a kid, uh, up until, I don't know, quite some time ago, I had a porn addiction. It's not just a guy problem, just FYI. It is a woman's problem, too. It's a person's problem, a people. Anyway, uh, so I walked into our marriage. Sean knew. I told him before we got married. But Sean, I walked into our marriage with a lot of confusion as to what sex um, between a married couple would look like, why it was so different than what I had visions of and saw on screen or even in books. It doesn't have to be a screen. It can be a book. So walking through that has been a really huge challenge for us. I've done years and years of counseling. I um, no longer have that addiction, thank you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. But I also know that when things creep in, like wherever there is a temptation, God's provided me a way out. Now my dreams I can't control. But I think by, I'm an open and honest book with Sean. Sometimes he tells me to shut the book because I'm too honest. But with stuff, I have to be open and honest. So when I have something I can't control like a dream, I immediately tell him. Because I feel like if I don't tell him, it's a hidden thing. And it's, a, it's just, yeah. So I tell him to keep the light on it. But that would be a huge one that we've walked through. Yeah, and, that, and that's been tough, to be quite honest with you. Like... And I know that we probably are more living in the victory mm-hmm. of having to go through tough things in these last few years. But I'll tell you, in the early stages of our marriage and, and some years into it, it does damage to your sexual intimacy as well um, in the comparison game and the not enough narratives that we want to tell. And I'll tell you, like, that's a big deal. And mm-hmm. I think, again, this is not trying to be preachy with this, but that's why our sexual sins... They do damage, it says, to yourself. And so in our covenantal marriage relationship, one person's sexual sins affects the whole. 
And so we walk through that, and that's not easy. And, but we do feel that this is a story that God has brought us through to be able to share with people that you too can see victory and liberation within it. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the other neat aspects of it is this is a conversation we've recently talked with our kids about a little bit more in depth than what we're going to give you right now. But we felt that it was important to let them see mom and dad's story too. This mm-hmm. is real. And if you don't put a guard around these things today, whether you're married or not today, for I know as I look in the room, a lot of single people in here as well, what you do today matters mm-hmm. right now, especially when you get to that day, if it is God's will that you're married, you're going to have to deal with this. Mm-hmm. So this is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So how would you deal with then uh, conflict? What's your conflict resolution uh, process then? Like in regards to sexuality? (laughs) No, I just mean in general. I mean, uh, you've gone through 22 years of marriage. I would assume there has been moments of conflict that have come up in your lives. No, okay. Never. Uh, But how would you deal with conflict? As two opposing people... Two different uh, personalities, <laughs> yeah. but with a common goal. Yeah. How do you face conflict? Um, we try to keep things at the forefront. Uh, I have a habit. I, I'm not great at communication. Uh, I don't sometimes know what I'm feeling. I've got all these feelings running through my body and through my head, but I don't know how to label it. Um, so we try to keep things at the forefront. I am infamous for letting things build up until I trip over it. I try to sweep it under the rug until it becomes such a mound. I trip over it and fall on my face. And then pillows are thrown. And not knives or books, thankfully. But I sometimes, yeah, the anger, one time, I shouldn't say sometimes, the anger got so much that there was pillows thrown at Sean. But I just, we try to keep things at the forefront. We try to keep open dialogue. We are walking through the marriage course that Pastor Tyson's offered. Uh, through the church here and it's been super helpful I mean we're only on week two and it's been super insightful and super helpful like investing in that but I think keeping the dialogue open um, I'll let contextually let let me She, she doesn't throw pillows and knives and books at me often, okay? Uh, it happened once, and it was off of um, losing dad last year. And it was just one of those moments of, of walking through grief. She didn't know what to do. I just thank God it was pillows, like, that day. And, like, that's what it was. So, anyway, but so the question that you're asking, like, how do you deal with conflict? I mean, conflict, and commu- or conflict resolution communication go hand in hand. So you got to be communicating, first of all, but then to deal with conflict resolution. A lot of people don't like confrontation, period. Mm. But guess what? Confrontation is a part of life, and we have to learn to do that well, especially in the church. I think church people hate conflict because we think it's anti-Jesus. I disagree with that. I actually think it's healthy for us. We have to engage in certain moments. But a couple principles, like honestly, that we've taken with um, conflict resolution, um, react versus respond. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've had moments where I completely react to something. And when I react, I get in more trouble. But when I respond, when I take a step back and do that, I think that's valuable. And another key one is sometimes you just got to call the time out. 
on yourself or it's tougher to call the time out on your spouse like go to the corner and think about this like don't do that that's not going to be helpful for you um, but you got to call a time out you got to think about this and I think ultimately you're asking the Lord show me what's in my heart mm-hmm. at this moment um, how do I relinquish my power that I'm trying to wield at this moment we also have a couple of rules so to speak we try not to use the words always and never you always do this you never do that because those are like darts yeah and then we also try to keep our conversations at a not at a limited time but we try not to go into a really good hard conversation after a certain point at night because your faculties are loose down not loose whatever your faculties are down you don't think straight emotions can get the best of you and sometimes your emotions aren't always um what do you call legitimate like yeah and when you're overtired things can be a lot worse than they need to be because you're overtired so we try to keep our conversations before a certain time yeah try it doesn't always work but we try mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I find um, in my life I can always be a better husband and I can always be a better father I could always be a better pastor and there's things that I need to continue to do and work on to be better now how would you uh, love one another knowing that there's betterment to happen. How can Bethany best love me, but also call me to greatness at the same time? Love me for who I am, but also call me to be greater and better. How do you balance those two things? I think I said it earlier in the first one. Um, when I see things that I know Sean can step up better, do things a little differently, you got to go into it subtly. I think you got to check your heart, how you're doing it and why you're doing it. I think there's always things to work on. I myself right now, I'm walking through some um, faith things. Like I'm asking questions that I've never asked before. I am going through some, why do I believe what I believe? Is it because this is what I've been told or is it because this is what I believe? And so I've asked Sean, I'm like, I'll talk to you, but don't give me answers. Hmm. Like, I'll talk to you, but I don't really want to hear what you have to say. (laughs) And he's been super gracious with that. And the one thing that he always betters me and he's like, take it to the Bible. Go to the Bible and see what the Bible says. What does God say in his word? And so I have rebuttals sometimes, and he's been super gracious, and I'm like, I'm a pastor's wife. I'm supposed to know these things. And I don't got a hot clue about a ton of stuff that I'm learning. And so he's just been super gracious with me, but he's always like, take it to God and take it to the Bible and see what the Bible says. And so that's been one way that he's been helping me be a better person, better Christian, better wife. He challenges me, and there's times where I want to punch him in the nose for it. (laughs) But it's because he's trying to help me to be better than what I am. He doesn't want me to settle and be comfortable. He's always, like, looking to help me stretch and grow. And that's one of the things I pray. Like, we pray together on Fridays, and I'm always like, God, take us, mold us into who you want us to be as Christians, as a man, as a wife as parents, as people. Mm-hmm. So. I'm naturally a fixer. And so Ugh. part of my problem, literally, <laughs> is I wanna fix everything. Yeah. And so I, I think in, in our earlier stages of marriage, I really took that to her. Like, 
I needed to conform her into Sean Chapman's image. Completely false. I was wrong. Mm. And, but I have to lay down those tendencies, I think, in moving forward to help our relationship out. And it comes down to, like, she's made uniquely, so am I. Mm -hmm. And it's not about being conformed to one another, although it's getting eerie to me how many crazy similarities we have and how we're able to answer each other's answers now. That's getting a little ridiculous. But it's what's happening because I think of the closeness of the relationship. So these things are important as you move forward. But anyway, yeah, a couple thoughts there. Mm -hmm. I've been taught that the uh, best gift I can give my children is a healthy marriage. What are some of the steps that you take uh, to make sure you have a healthy marriage? Yeah, the first thing I think about, and I, I know you're going to laugh, but um, a healthy sex life, that's a big deal to be quite honest, because this is our union. Why are you shaking your head? Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, I think that is important because I think, and again, like, I have no trouble talking about this. I know that this subject drives Lisa crazy, especially when I do it from the stage. But I think with sexual disorientation in our culture, everywhere, and I'm talking people like that love Jesus to anything, so for us to have a healthiness in our intimacy becomes vital for my kids to see that I love they their don't see mother. That. Yeah, they don't see that. No. Good. But when we're healthy, that That's got awkward. Terrible. Yeah, no kidding. Wow. Jenkins uh, dying a million deaths over there. <laughs> but when they understand our love for each other, this is what we're praying for. And it's something that we've done since the moment they were born. We've prayed for their spouses already. Mm. We pray constantly that God would place them into relationships that would be holy and reflective of who he is. Mm -hmm. So I do think, think that that's one of the things. We also make we each other the priority. Um, like, it, it, I don't know who said this or if it's even real, but God, spouse, children, family, friends. So they don't come before each of us. They come after us, like to each other. Um, so we try to make sure that we are each other's priority and that we spend time together, that we do our devotion all the time together, that we talk about stuff together. They see that we, not this past year, but we try to pull away and go on a holiday, just the two of us, because mm -hmm. this is our Sorry, primary focus. That's what happens. We are each other's uh, priority. And so pouring into each other and spending time together away from them and with them. But yeah, trying to make us our priority. So this is not trite words by any stretch, but we love our kids. Like we have a, a, a unique relationship in this respect. Like anything at any time is something we can talk about. They got something that they're curious about, they can ask whatever they want. And of course, in our wisdom, hopefully, we'll answer it a certain way with you know, boundaries around it. But that's one of the things that I've loved about our relationship with each other to our kids is we are open books. We will tell you and show you. And let's be honest, how many times, like, they, they can't even count how many times we've had to apologize to them for our actions as parents mm -hmm. because they see us doing it wrong. And we have to own those moments as well. So I think that we do model those pieces. And I think probably the glue that holds it all together 
is God. Mm-hmm. Like God is, like as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That is the mantra. Mm-hmm. Like that's what we believe. We pray every day as a family mm-hmm. before they're off to school. Of course, we pray for the meals. But like God is the center of what we do. And, and here, here's the hard part. Let me make a, a confession today. Like as my kids start getting older, I'm starting to lose control and it's driving me nuts because they're going to make their own decisions soon. Mm -hmm. And I have to use the tools that God has given me for this time. And I'm going to have to trust them. And that scares everything in me to death because I don't have control pretty soon. And that bothers me. And that's a season right now that I'm walking through personally. And I'm trying to figure out what God's trying to do with that in my own heart with that. But we love our kids, but it comes from here first. Mm -hmm. So how then, when it comes to parenting those kids, uh, (laughs) how do you go about um, your differences of opinion when it comes to parenting? Uh, You know, you might have a different opinion on what they can do or where they can go or what they can eat. And you, how do you uh, manage the difference of opinion when parenting together? Maybe we should just ask them who their favorite parent is first. Okay. All right. Um, I think we try to manage our differences privately. Yep. Um, We don't, if Sean or I do something that the other doesn't necessarily agree with, we don't say it in front of the kids. We try to do it privately when they're not within earshot, which doesn't happen very often because they're always, well, no, they're not always home, but they're at home. Um, We also own our mistakes in front of them. Like, if I do something and Sean talks to me later about it, like, yeah, I don't know, you more reacted than responded, blah, blah, blah. I try to be humble and go and apologize to them and say, I screwed up, blah, blah, blah. But I think we really try to work on it privately, but not in Mm. front of them because we have to be united in our friends. Mm -hmm. And if they can see any cracks in that, um, that unity, they're going to, I don't think our kids would be manipulators, but I saw cracks in my parents' marriage and I worked at them and I tried to crack them even deeper because my dad was not a believer. My mom was. I wanted to go do the wild things. My mom did not let me, so I'd go to my dad. So I could take whatever manipulations I could to get my way and I could pit them against each other. And so that's the one thing. And they would do it in front of me. Mm. And so I, I don't want to say I learned how to do it but I could play each side of the coin, whereas we try to stay on the same side of the coin. We do, and and I think, you know, as all kids do, they're gonna try to pit their parents against each other. If they want something, they're gonna go to one particular person. Uh, But then- I usually give in way more than he does. But the thing is, is like, it comes back to us then. So how do we, and I love what you just said. I think that's accurate. We have to be the unit together, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In, often in movies and in stories, we'll see uh, people that are trying to find their soulmate, the person that will complete them, the, the be-all, end-all when it comes to their marriage or their relationship. And so uh, we watch these movies, uh, I think specifically Hallmark movies at Christmas time, uh, but we watch these movies and then uh, somehow we emulate them in, in real life. We want to find the person that's going to complete us. We want to find the perfect individual. We want to find our soulmate. And when we do that, often we get to a point where uh, we end up disappointed. Because I do believe that the only person that can complete us is Jesus. 
And so my question to you is, instead of being the be-all, end-all to each other, especially in difficult times, um, how do you point each other back towards Jesus? I think one of the rhythms that Lisa and I have put into our lives, and it's like, it's gospel truth nowadays, is every Friday morning we go to our sacred ground, and it is our devotion time together. We've landed on once a week, and this once a week oftentimes will turn into hours as we um, read the word of the Lord, or we're praying together, we're talking about our weeks. It's there where we kind of get raw as well. This is what I'm going through. And, and then we pray with each other. And I think that within that, we are always pointing the other person then to Jesus. Then how can Jesus help us? What can Jesus do? And I think like that has been the most life-giving thing that we placed into our marriage. Um, I think that's very important for us. As a, as a church, we often will see um, uh, people emphasize marriage. Like it's, it's super important and people look at the Genesis creation and the only thing God said it wasn't good it was for man to be alone. And so they'll take that and run with that and say that it, that's, uh, it's the reason why everybody should get married is because it's not good for men to be alone. But uh, what would you say to those individuals that uh, feel like maybe they don't want to get married or maybe they're not ready to get married or can't find the right spouse for them? How do we best support them as a church? Uh, I said it this morning at the earlier service. I don't think... When God said it's not good for man to be alone, I don't think he meant necessarily you have to be married. Um, I'm not a scholar. I'm not a philosopher. This is my opinion. I think he gave Adam Eve because he knew Adam needed all the help he could get. And he also told them to go and to populate the earth. Well, Adam can't do that on his own. Um, But I don't think that means you have to be married. I think people some, people, some people are called to singleness and if they're content in that and they're satisfied, I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think when he, God said it's not good for man to be alone, I think he means community. Um, a community of friends, a community of family, a community of your church if you go to church, a community of your coworkers. I think we're called to do life together. Uh, it goes to the whole, we're called to sharpen each other, we're called to help each other, support each other. So I think, again, this is my opinion, that it doesn't mean you have to be married. I think it means to be in a community for support. One of the backbones of this church today and moving forward will be single people. If you're single in this place, we love you. I think you're a vital part of this community. We've often lifted up marriage, and so we should. Marriage is an important covenant and an institution made by God. I love that. But the Bible also speaks about being single and how valuable that is to the church body. And so you may be single, um, maybe not having a relationship. Some people have had to walk through divorce. Some people have been widowed single. And I'm here to say that you have a place here and you are very valued to this church. We need our single people. You are a part of us. And Lisa's key word to me is this is all about community. 
So if God takes you down a road of getting married, good. Do that in community with other people. And one of the things I love about this church is our, I mean, we haven't titled ourselves a connect group, but we've got a couple couples, and one of them sitting in the room right now today that we do life with is life-giving. And singles do this as well. And you have to be in community with each other. That is vital mm -hmm. to watching what Jesus can do with his church. Mm -hmm. We love single people and our married people as well. It's true. Well, I would ask uh, if you have any other remarks or, or uh, answers or questions or anything that you'd like to encourage us with before we uh, close out in prayer in a few moments here. Um, I think for me, whether it's through marriage or if even through singleness, keep your cards on the table with somebody. Have somebody you can be accountable to. Um, have... Like, let God bring people into your life that you can do life and community with and keep your car. Like, I talked about it earlier, um, the whole, I have my addiction from my past. I keep everything on the table at the forefront with Sean for my accountability. Um, so I'm held accountable. And I think it doesn't even have to be that. I'm talking about anything. Uh, just keep everything in the open. Uh, Satan wants nothing more than for us to hide things and live in that shame and that guilt. Mm -hmm. And then you give him an inch and he's going to take a million miles and he'll get his grip. So I think if we keep things on the forefront, keep your um, things on the table with somebody, somebody you trust, somebody you know is going to hold you accountable and who's going to lead you down uh, the right path, I think that's a big deal uh, as Christians, as humans, as people, anybody. I think for me, the, a verse that, that stands out is, is godliness with contentment is of great gain. And so for those who would be single listening to this, I would implore you, it's okay to be there. Mm -hmm. Do you find your identity and your validity in having a relationship or will it be found in Jesus? Mm -hmm. And same with those who are married. Is your identity really wrapped into your spouse or is it in Jesus? And I think that that's the vital piece. And so learning the idea of contentment and being in community together is going to be vital for us to move forward. Let's be honest. You've heard many mistakes from this stage today about mine and Lisa's journey. And guess what? You got your own too. We all make mistakes, but that's the beauty of this thing is we bring our mistakes and our broken and we present it to Jesus. And if we keep him in the center, he will lift us up and he will redeem that which is broken. Mm -hmm. That's why I love our church. We're people who are broken and we're going to do it together. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Pastor Sean and Lisa. Uh, let's pray together real quick uh, before we end. Jesus, we're thankful that we get the opportunity to uh, serve uh, and live under the le uh, leadership of Pastor Sean and Lisa. Lord, I pray that you would continue to be with them, that you would continue to strengthen their marriage. Lord, that you would speak to them individually and collectively. Lord, I pray that you would give uh, just a blessing to Jake and Anaya as well. Uh, Lord, we're thankful for them. We're thankful for this family. Lord, I pray for the marriages of our church. Lord, I pray that you would have your hand in them, that you would speak to them, that you would bring life to the marriages of our church, and they would be God-honoring marriages. Lord, for those who are struggling in their marriage, Lord, I pray that they would find counsel. 
Lord, if it's uh, through the church or through uh, professional counseling, Lord, I pray that you would continue to speak to them. Bring health. Restore any marriages that might be crumbling. Lord, we pray for the single individuals as well. Lord, we pray that you'd bring them peace, contentment. Lord, before all, they would search and find you and keep you at the center of everything that they do. Lord, I pray that as a church, we would know and that you would give us wisdom on how to minister to both the single and the married individuals. Lord, we love you. We're thankful for you. In your name, amen. Amen. Thanks for being here with us uh, in person and online. Uh, Have a great week. We love you, church. We'll see you next week.